Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode of Web Oddities. I'm DJ Tim Allen. I'm DJ Hamonstrimonium slash J02X slash Joe Herman. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me, your boy, DJ D-Class. DJ D-Class, always a pleasure to be with you guys on a nice Thursday night. Oh, and we're here for a very, very exciting episode. Ooh, yeah, today... Uh, as we you as you might know, uh, yeah. as I brought it up on like the very uh, end of the last episode, we are going mm-hmm. to be covering tulpas. We are going to conquer the mind. We're going to figure out how to take ourselves and break us to be our own best form. I I don't know about that much, but we're definitely going to be. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to transcend the normal limitations of the human being, and we will rise. We will break the bonds connecting person to person and be our own self-independent man that can sustain himself both mentally and physically. I don't know if these people sustain themselves mentally too well, <laughs> uh, but we will get into that. So this is normally the part where I would ask you guys if you've heard of, of Tulpas, but because I haven't shut up about it for like the past <laughs> six weeks, um, <laughs> you... I, you do. You know what tulpas are. I know. I know. I know a bit. I know. You know I know all the little tidbits you've shared, but yes. I know you've kept the big secrets for uh, for the episode today. Yeah, basically. Um, so, I'm sure almost every listener here has had an imaginary friend, but what you probably didn't have is an imaginary friend who seemed to be able to actually hold a conversation with you and talk back to you, and just seemed to be their own real person. Today. We're exploring tulpas and tulpamancy, the art of creating seemingly sentient imaginary friends. It's I like that. Quite a magical, if you will. Uh, you you could say that. There's. We'll get into the history and stuff that was considered magical versus science versus whatever. Um, and so first, as a definition of tulpas, uh, we can look at. There's a website called tulpas.info, or tulpa, singular, T-U-L-P-A, dot info, and they define... hmm? How direct. Very direct. (laughs) And they define info uh, tulpas as such. A tulpa is an entity created in the mind, acting independently of, and parallel to your own consciousness. They're able to think and have their own free will, emotions, and memories. In short, a tulpa is like a sentient person living inside your head separate from you. It's currently unproven whether or not tulpas are truly sentient, but in this community, we treat them as such. It takes time for a tulpa to develop a convincing and complex personality. As they grow older, your attention and their life experiences will shape them into a person with their own hopes, dreams, and beliefs. So what if... No, this is just a thought. Okay. I think all How of these are just thoughts. Well, I, I suppose. <laughs> wow. That's one yeah, of my thoughts. Okay. Well, I was thinking about these thoughts, right? Now, how <laughs> terrible would it be if you were a nice, you know, liberal kind of guy, and due to your tulpa being very much its own person, decided to become not a liberal? 
<laughs> yeah. How Erase fun is would the that be? Living in your head. <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll move ahead and talk about that very briefly. They did surveys, <laughs> and most tulpas like basically agree with their hosts. Uh, the term is wow um, on politics and re- or religion. It might have been. It was one of the two. Well, it's like when you're raising a child, they're gonna adopt your beliefs unless you know they're edgy. Exactly. <laughs> basically, uh, a tulpa is almost like a child, except. You don't have to clean up their poop, but you. you I mean, might have some crappy thoughts. <laughs> That's true. Oh, so very true. Right off the bat, most people think isn't isn't this just people giving themselves schizophrenia or dissociative identity disorder? And um, in short, no. Neither schizophrenia nor DID can be self-induced, and they usually stem from genetics or trauma or a combination of both. According to the DSM-5, the manual which psychiatrists use to diagnose mental illness, schizophrenia usually involves symptoms such as disorganized speech, catatonic behavior, major negative impacts on the patient's life from symptoms, um, and all of those things are not usually experienced by tulpamancers. So in short, it's like schizophrenia, but all the good parts. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. And, and, you know, DID, which is commonly known as like multiple personality disorder, it involves loss of control over yourself, gaps in your memory, severe dissociation. Once again, all things that tulpamancers do not experience. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of tulpamancers who use it to cope with other uh, forms of mental illness, like maybe depression, they just make a tulpa to kind of give them company. But Aww. I, I don't. Adorable. It's honestly kind of rude to people who have like schizophrenia or DID to say, "Oh, all that's wrong with you is you're hearing voices in your head," because if if it was just having an overactive imaginary friend. <laughs> then honestly that would make those diseases I assume a lot better than they really are your tulpa's yeah. taking over your mind go rest control through the power of God okay so now that we're beyond that we can delve into the history of tulpas how did they begin I like this I'm so excited. most uh, modern tulpamancers will point to ancient Tibetan Buddhism oh. as the source of tulpas. Monks mastery over the mind every time. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, (laughs) I don't... Well, I'm at least pretty sure they don't um, have tulpamancy and the Buddhist religion anymore, right? Uh, So it's complicated. They They never really did in this way that we practice it today. Oh. And so um, the ancient origins of tulpa are kind of murky like that and only tangentially related to the modern concept. Hmm. As far as I can tell, the concept of tulpas seems to have been um, originated in some form in Tibetan Buddhism. And I'm no expert in Tibetan Buddhism, um, so I can't really go into depth about how exactly it was practiced, but... Why not just do it anyways? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm, a bunch of I'm, giving you a, I'm giving you a broad <laughs> overview. Uh, I read an article called Tracking the Tulpa by Michaels and Laycock, oh. uh, which was like a scholarly article, and they said that tulpas were originally conceived of as emanations of Buddhas and other religious teachers in the physical realm. Uh-huh. And so it, it wasn't like you were making just some random being using your mind force. It, yes. it was more you... You were kind of channeling an existing being and trying to like uh, harness their enlightenment. So, which so is you're trying to form that that like telecommunication 
Well, like psycho, not psychokinesis. Uh, um, telepathy. That? Telepathy. That one with with Jesus. <laughs> Get that Maybe. telepathic well, connection with Jesus. Like calling be- calling upon your ancestors and channeling oh. their spirit. So I think from um, what I remember, it's more like you sit down and you think really hard. You're like, I am a Buddha. I am a Buddha. And you just get yourself into that mind state. And they basically try to, you know, harness the good parts of Buddhahood um, by putting themselves into that mind state. And so obviously radically different from what we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, and so what we kind of have to thank for that big leap is uh, 19th century religious movement founded mm-hmm. by the occultist Helena Blavatsky. It's this called is not a turn I thought we were going to take. It's <laughs> called Theosophy. And so Theosophy is another thing where it's... It's very complicated, and I've heard about it a little bit before. Mm. Um, I actually heard about it in relation to the Nazis. They actually think a lot of Nazi occult um, ideas, which was, uh, I don't think it was as big as some people like to say it is, but the Nazis, they obviously, some of them did practice occult things. Yeah. They think that it was rooted in the- theosophical ideas. So which what you're telling me is that... Tr- um, Tulpamancers are literally Hitler. No. <laughs> no. And also, a theosophists think. are not Nazis because they do still exist and they were targeted by the Nazis during Hitler's regime. It's just Ooh. Nazism was kind of, it stole some stuff from theosophy. Just like how theosophy stole some stuff from uh, Tibetan Buddhism. And so, basically, theosophists uh, back in the 19th century, the late 1800s, they were concerned with what they called thought forms, Hmm. which are essentially metaphysical objects emanated by concentrated thought, which can be seen by others under certain conditions. So, they have some drawings and they look like abstract art basically. It's just like weird objects that you project with your mind into the astral plane that others can sometimes see. Oh. And so these thought forms sometimes attracted spiritual beings called elementals, who they inhabited a thought form, and thus that kind of gave them, I want to say it like rooted them in a quote-unquote physical way, and that that made them independent astral beings. And so Mm. these elementals were kind of divided between uh, malicious and benevolent, and the malicious ones would be attracted to kind of negative thought forms and the benevolent ones would be attracted to positive thought forms and so they they kind of saw these things as angels and demons kind of and saw them like gathering together and trying to cause harm or good for humanity yeah and so as this concept spread through various occult circles um it mutated and these different groups began theorizing about creating what they called artificial elementals uh, which seems oh. to be the grandfather of the modern tulpa, where you didn't need to bring an elemental in to occupy your thought form. Uh, the way I understand it is you somehow produced the elemental using your mind beyond it's just a DIY the elemental. Exactly. You open up your kit in your mind, you imagine a kit, you open it up, you assemble an elemental, and through that process of the sort of... Um, imaginary meditation you 
discover the key to actually becoming your own elemental and manifesting your own thoughts. So you, you basically turn yourself into an astral being. Yes. And, and <laughs> do you leave your body behind, Joe? Well, the thing is, you never truly leave your body behind as you do ex you know, send your spirit out from it, still tethered, but... Like kind of that's like just astral projecting like at that point with yeah, extra steps. Projecting. <laughs> that's you're astral projecting with extra steps, Joe. <laughs> Sorry to break it too. But you. you're getting physical manifestations. Uh, kind of. I'm not entirely clear about how physical, like these different views of uh, the thought forms were. It's kind of muddy because it's a variety of different occult. Um, theologies mm -hmm. over the course of decades had slightly different ideas. So yeah. they didn't all believe the same thing. So if you're fun at parties, you would say physical manifestations. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you definitely, you'd be like, dude, watch my tulpa. He's going to totally slap you in the face, close your eyes, and then you'd be like, <laughs> and then you're, he, he's like, oh my god, your tulpa just slapped me. And everyone's laughing and Whoa. laughing. Uh, my tulpa's going to slap your tulpa, and you do that little trick <laughs> where you clap your own hands. That's just stands. We're, we are Jojo now. And, and so I, I assume you fellas have never heard of theosophy. No. Um, no. That's because it's totally irrelevant nowadays, basically. It sounds like um, it. It's sounding pretty sweet. I think we should bring it back. And and so like really none of the modern day Tulpamancers really get their ideas directly from theosophy. Uh, Tulpas came back into popular thought again in 1975 with the publishing of the revolutionary book The Mothman Prophecies Pardon? by John uh, Keel. Uh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know Mothman? I know of the Mothman. He's, he's yes. a man. He's a moth. Uh, he I lives know of in Mothra. Like, <laughs> he, he lives in like Mass where? Massachusetts? It's somewhere on the East Coast. And like evidently he was on a bridge and then the bridge fell down and stuff like that. Wait, is this like an urban legend, or oh, it's one hundred percent true. There was a moth man. There <laughs> <laughs> was a man who looked like a moth and he threw himself off. Listen, a, you know, there, there's some freaky looking people. Out That's there. just my cousin Eddie, guys. <laughs> oh, it's Joey. So, so the author of this book, John Keel, he basically he said, okay, so we we see this paranormal phenomena, and they tend to mirror popular culture. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's not just people being super suggestible by the popular culture of the time. It's definitely they're creating collective tulpas using their collective beliefs that influence reality. And yes. And so that's kind of up until like 2009 to 2012 when the imaginary friend version of tulpas came around. Mm -hmm. The pop culture idea of tulpa was a being... Creative, but created by like collective belief that could physically alter the world. So it was like because we all believe in the thing, the thing is real. Exactly. Ah, uh, so so it, instead of an I think, therefore I am, it's a we think, therefore it is. In a way. Um, so if we get enough believers to like start believing in this tulpa, it can like physically make. Like, just crazy things happen in the world, like unexplainable events. Yes, for example, um, children getting kidnapped uh, oh. by Slenderman, <laughs> the most <laughs> infamous tulpa of our time. Don't, 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 <laughs> yes, don't you start. We no are going way. there. <laughs> this general inspiration of the idea of a tulpa stuck, oh, no. and it finally came to prominence online in 2009 
with the advent of the infamous Slender Man. How did we go from theosophy to Slender Man? How did we, we go from, from Tibetanism to, <laughs> to, to Slender Man? <laughs> well, you know, there's the six degrees of separation, fellas, and I suppose we're... Tibetan Buddhism isn't that far off from Slender Man. You know, there's a big dude, <laughs> I guess. No hair. <laughs> like a lot of no, strange is very minimal man. talking. Yeah. Very minimal talking. Uh, <laughs> um, out in nature. <laughs> like, really, what happened is so, first of all, there were the Tibetan Buddhists who were doing their own thing, and a couple anthropologists ripped them off, and then mm. the theol- the theosophists ripped the anthropologists off. Then oh. this author in the 70s ripped the theosophists off. And then the Slender Man fandom ripped the this author off. And then the modern <laughs> Tulpa Mansi, you know, circle ripped Slender Man off. No way did they rip... They ripped Slender Man off? <laughs> we saw a lot of horror game developers ripped Slender Man off, That's too. That's the truth. <laughs> Wait, so, so, clear this up for me. Slender Man started as a Tulpa? Uh, no, let me explain um, what happened. Slenderman, the original myth, did not say he was a tulpa. It was just like, you know, uh, a fun story online that people posted, like a, a, a creepypasta. Okay, but, yeah. Um, and what eventually happened is it got super popular. People started claiming to have seen um, Slenderman in real life. Slendy we, boy. We know about, I, I forget if they were successful, uh, it was either murder or attempted murder in Wisconsin <laughs> with like the 12 year old girls. Yeah, the 52 stabs. Mm-hmm. I believe that was. Oh, oh gosh, oh, yeah, that I was remember attempted, those. By the way. Yeah, so the, they didn't succeed, right? The girls survived. <laughs> Somehow. I, I, I think so. But The Topo wasn't that strong. <laughs> basically, the idea that some people came up with or else I'm sure some people believed it unironically, other people were just messing around. They were thinking... You know, maybe Slenderman became real because so many people believed in him. And so that became a part uh, of the mythos. Okay. Uh, but no, lame. you're right. Slenderman was not originally described as a tulpa. Okay, because I know it was sort of like a he had followers. I didn't know if it was literally based off of, oh, what if we made a bad tulpa? It's, <laughs> it's just a really fancy version of... If you say it's true and I say it's true, it's true. <laughs> yeah, basically. And it, it's weird because there's some people who seem to... Uh, I'm talking about on the totally metaphysical side of things. There's some people yes. who think that a physical Slender Man manifests. And then oh. there's other people who kind of just see it as a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so, oh. like, you know, there's a big difference between them. Because obviously, you know, if everyone believed they were sick, there'd probably be a bunch of people who started throwing up just because they believed they were sick. So, like, so a mass hysteria sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. was the placebo hallucination. I don't know. I, that's, it's, that's a bit outside of my uh, specialty of BS. Um, <laughs> and so, what eventually happened is... Uh, Slender Man became popular on a particular corner of the internet near and dear to our hearts. That festering pile of garbage known as 4chan. Uh, Ew, <laughs> gross, I threw a bit. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't the worst part of 4chan. It got popular on the X board, the paranormal board. Uh-huh. And so for, between 2009 and like 2011, 2012, folks on the paranormal board haphazardly mauled over the concept of tulpas, not just specifically about Slenderman, 
yes. but just in general, spouting off their own theories and hot takes. And then eventually, you know, a group of them kind of decided on a more scientific, uh, or at least quote-unquote scientific interpretation of tulpas, where it's all inside the individual mind, uh, the kind of imaginary friend type thing. Yes. And they s actually set out to create their own tulpas. That's that sort of controlled madness. So that's modern times now. We are now up to the year 2012, and we're like 90% of modern tulpa thought. All the fundamentals are there. Rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll, baby. So in either... Ooh, imagine an Elvis tulpa. How fun would that be? <laughs> oh, I'm... Oh, my goodness. I doubt anyone has an Elvis tulpa because... Ain't nothing but a tulpa mancer. Like, the <laughs> Ain't oldest... Ain't nothing but a tulpa mancer. <laughs> the oldest tulpa mancer in the world is probably, like, 50, which is still wow. kind of young for Elvis. Um, but <laughs> may maybe someone has an Elvis tulpa, but I doubt it. Elvis is <laughs> way... should. That's way well, too Well, is this something I people. should start working on? Abs <laughs> honestly, if you make an Elvis tulpa, more power to you, dude. Awesome. <laughs> Just, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> so... Um, the first thing you hear when he's burnt into your mental existence. Yeah, I, I want to wake up every morning too. Thank you very much. And so, uh, to our listeners, just in case any of you are not familiar with 4chan, basically what Yucky. it is, it's it's a message board, and you can either post totally anonymously or under a username, and it has different like boards on it based on different topics so like they have a board for paranormal stuff they have a board for origami they have a board yeah. for you know anime music just random stuff and so we're talking specifically right now about the paranormal board yes and so in late 2011 or early 2012 a user who went by the name of irish underscore Nice. Published, <laughs> as in like the symbol underscore. He did yes. not spell that out. Oh, that's <laughs> Dang. Uh, they published the first organized, relatively thorough Tulpa creation guide. That Oh, there's uh, a guide? Oh my How, where god. Where am I buying there, Oh, are there guides? <laughs> there's so many guides. There's oh, yes. way too many guides. I want to work on this now. So Adopt your own Tulpa today. How do you get a Tulpa in three easy steps? <laughs> so I'm going to explain to you. Tulpa Mancy for dummies. <laughs> this is this is a heavily abbreviated version of his guide, okay. laying out basically the basics of how to create a tulpa, um, based on like the very early standards. These evolved a little bit, but this is the basics of how it has been since then. Yes. I'll never be lonely again. Mm -hmm. Number one, step one. Decide on what form you want your tulpa to take and what purpose you want it to have. Do you want it to be your friend? Do you want it to be someone who helps you with math homework? Do you want it to be... Can I use tulpa mansion to improve my grades? That's... College students? Yo! Listen up. <laughs> that's a hotly debated topic, but I'm pretty... Most people say no. But there are some people who say yes for no good reason. And so, also the form, do you want it to be a uh, human? Is it going to be a man, a woman? How old are they? Is it going to be a cloud, a bunny rabbit, Is it gonna a be pony? Is it going to be a furry? You know, all <laughs> these questions. The possibilities are endless. Hmm. Step two, design a wonderland in your mind. A wonderland is basically some detailed visualization of a physical area, whether it be a building or a city or a park or a planet in which the tulpa mancer can visualize themselves and their tulpa interacting. 
So it's kind of like, you know, I, I'd say like Narnia was C.S. Lewis's Wonderland, basically. He just built this entire world in his head, and mm-hmm. he probably could visualize it very well. Um, yes. And so you basically, so you just world build in your head. Much like scale. Narnia and Sarnia. It's imaginary. I don't know what Sarnia is. <laughs> it's a city in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Canada doesn't Canada exist. obviously is fake news. Uh, you know what I love about Canada, though? Their money is scratch and sniff. Canada is the Yeah, they have, scra- they have scratch and sniff money. There That's certain, ridiculous. There's That's certain not bills money. with, like, maple leaves on them that are clear, and if you scratch them, they smell like maple syrup. Wait, you know I'm genuinely offended by that. You know what, um, <laughs> That's real. an offense to money. <laughs> Y'all know in the Trump elections how, like, you know, all the liberals are saying they're going to move to Canada once she was elected? Does that mean, like, Canada was this tulpa created as a sort of escapist plan B? Because <laughs> we all know it didn't <laughs> exist before. <laughs> you know, maybe. Okay, so step three. Visualize you and your tulpa in your wonderland and talk to it and treat it like a real person. After doing this consistently for some time, you'll notice some sort of weird feeling. It might be a tingling or a pressure in the back of your head. Hmm. This is the tulpa's first sloppy method of communication. And so this this is what they call forcing. You, you talk to it and you don't expect a reply, but yeah. you, 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 you treat it like it's a, a real person. Yeah, like, you know, go out to the garden, look at your tomatoes, and go, grow faster. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. <laughs> it, it, it do, it works. You, you yell at your plants to make them grow faster. That is a proven fact. Don't look it up. And you <laughs> yell at your tulpa to make sure that it eventually hates you. <laughs> and then you get a horror movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That is> terrifying. <laughs> Someone could give me the director. This is going to make a million. So, and then step four. When you get that weird feeling, it's time to input your thoughts and feelings into it. Give that weird feeling attention and teach it to become bolder and more complex. Basically, react to it in any way you can. Feed it your attention. Feed it your thoughts. At this point, you want to do a little bit of what they call parroting, where you try to like interpret what it's saying, basically, and imagine what it would say. Mm. Uh, but this is... a this is a, one of the very tricky parts that people debate about how much parroting is uh, good. Because obviously if all you're doing is imagining what your tulpa would say directly, all you're doing is you know, having a conversation with yourself inside your head in the same way I have hypothetical conversations with like, you know, anyone in hey, my yeah. head. It's fun. It is fun, but it's not It's not interesting. I win a lot of arguments that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so step five. Eventually, given enough attention and nurturing, you'll notice thoughts popping into your head that aren't yours. It'll seem like there's someone talking to you in your own head. Your tulpa has finally become vocal, as they put oh, it. Oh, vocal. So, so this is when it's, it's almost like you hear something, or at the very least, you have words in your mind as opposed to just emotions or feelings or tinglings. Yes. And so... At that point, you basically just do your best to, once again, encourage it whenever it comes forward and speaks to you. You speak to it more. You start asking it like more complex questions. And step six, once your tulpa has matured even more and is practically indistinguishable from a real living person in your head, it's finally time to use intense visualization to impose your vision of it on the world. 
Um, so hmm. that basically means you use intense visualization and you just picture your tulpa like sitting on a couch next to you in real life with your eyes open. You move it out of the wonderland. You daydream really hard. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> it's not just visual too. You also you want to try to quote unquote manifest it is um, what they call it or else impose it. You want to do it. project it? No. <laughs> <laughs> they want to do that um, visually, auditorily. They want to be able to hear it. And a lot of them, they even, you know, try to touch it, smell it. Yucky. Taste it. No. Uh, Timmy. Where are we going? <laughs> uh, so moving on, um, eventually you'll be es- essentially hallucinating it around you. You know, all the time, it'll look like it's really there, and the, it'll be able to move itself around your vision on its own, because it, it shares your eyes, so it's not like it can walk around the corner and see what's there. Because um, that you have to really master <laughs> astral projection and tulpamancy <laughs> to do that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the vast majority of these modern tulpamancers, they just believe that it's, you know, basically dividing your mind in two parts. They don't think that you can physically manifest anything. They're being cynical, but true believers know the power, the latent power that lies behind this magical art form. What? The latent power? What, what latent power? The latent power of cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the latent power of, like, friendship? Listen. <laughs> so, nowadays... Hey, that's pretty magical. That, that's the basic... Stop. That's the basic formula. Nowadays, there's a hundred plus different guides, FAQs, top ten lists, life hacks, etc., about making tulpas. Each life hacks. Yeah. Yes. Each with their own little spin on the technique, but it basically always boils down to you have a concept of what you want your tulpa to be. You treat it like a person. It eventually becomes a person. Voila. And so that's that's the TDLR but of Timothy, tulpas. But Timothy, what do you do with people? What do you do with people? Yeah. You talk to them, and that's it. Hey, Tulpa, who shares my political beliefs, what do you think about <laughs> Guatemala? <laughs> oh, by the way, um, any uh, uh, political beliefs expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of WUMD or the University of Michigan-Dearborn, just our Tulpas. <laughs> yes. It's actually not our own either. Yes, it's not our <laughs> it's own. It's the Tulpas. The, um, our imaginary friends have taken over our mind and we're currently being used as puppets to give you the show. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's a thing that happens. We will get into <laughs> that. <laughs> is, is that what a possession is? Yes, that's what it's called. No, no, it's called possession. And there's posi- Let me explain it right now while Jesus, we're on the topic. Take the wheel. <laughs> I, I swear to God, oh. Talpa Jesus is definitely a thing. I guarantee you, if Talpas <laughs> are real in any way, shape, or form, there have been tens of thousands of people with Jesus Talpas. If we have any Christians in the audience, just imagine what you could do with your own mental Jesus. Now, uh, we'll, we'll start on that first, because I know we've been talking about this, but the idea that if Talpas are a real thing that happens, and you basically... Create them by s- speaking to something that you treat as a real person in your mind. Then, by that logic, prayer 
it can be like a form of forcing and you might inadvertently cause like a god tulpa in your own mind by praying that will eventually talk to you and respond to you and i don't mean to offend anyone because like i am kind of a tulpa skeptic uh and obviously i don't think this is like by any means the majority of experiences that with people who think that they hear god in their heads but no if tulpas are real i'm sure it's happened hundreds of times but that's all on the basis of if tulpas are real now which is an open question do you think my jesus tulpa could turn my water bottle into wine i think he could make you think your water bottle is wine because if you're able to you know impose these things on your reality imagine if you could just you know i i didn't really look into that but can these people just change like the taste of what they're eating if they have such control over their senses? I guess if they try hard enough. Yeah, I don't know. Could you imagine? Four hours of meditation. <laughs> let's, let's say, let's get back to the tasting your tulpa. What if you, <laughs> <laughs> what if you imagine, like, a really cool, like, soda jerk, like, tulpa, right? Uh-huh. And he had a soda jerk table, like, in your yeah, bedroom. Yeah, Would you be able to drink the soda he makes? Would you be able to taste it? I don't think, I don't know. I'm going to have to move on because I have no answer to that question. Because <laughs> I want to. Because like, wouldn't that be cool though? Like, you're if you're thirsty, you can get a drink, quote unquote. You know, yeah, that would be cool. Or an ice cream machine told. I know, right? <laughs> imagine all the free calories, man. But imagine, like, you being that tulpa where you are confined to the concept of an ice cream machine, and you're like, I have no mouth, yet I must scream. That sounds like an SCP callback. Oh, ha, 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 Okay, so right now we're, again, back late 2011, early 2012. Mm-hmm. The tulpa community was becoming bigger and more active on the paranormal board of 4chan, and other it. users grew more and more annoyed with them because they were everywhere and eventually the other posters became so inhospitable that the tulpamancers of uh the paranormal board created a chat room for themselves off-site so they could chat without being constantly ridiculed by others oh, about time mm, I, it was called like it was on some irc channel hashtag tulpa or whatever it was ba- basic stuff you can easily find it on like tulpa.info and at the same time, some users began posting about tulpas on other 4chan boards. I don't think that it was like an evangelization attempt or however you say it. It was basically yeah. just they thought, oh, this is cool. I'm going to work it into discussion here. And so specifically, they talked about it on the science board, the Japanese culture board, and the anime board. And as one might expect, the anime board was the most interested. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't really My catch waifu. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't really catch on for uh, very long. Um, it cool. didn't become a phenomenon. The, the one board where Tulpas gained any long-term traction, starting uh-huh. in March of 2012, uh-huh. was the My Little Pony board. <laughs> no, no, MLP. no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't you dare. We're oh, going man. there. Why, why the children show? <laughs> why would you do this? So for those of why you... Why would someone do this? For those of you blissfully <laughs> unaware... For those of you blissfully unaware, no. the no. latest iteration of the My Little Pony no. series, Friendship is Magic, began airing in 2010, uh. and shortly after, a fandom of primarily teenage and young adult men popped up on 4chan who were oddly passionate about the show. 
They called themselves bronies, and the fandom exploded out into the popular culture around 2012 and peaked in the following couple of years. The whole brony phenomenon deserves its own episode or even two. But for now, um, I'd like to say I understand that bronies were, at least in my experience and opinion, largely young men who felt somehow disconnected from society and found an accepting community of fellow weirdos who all enjoyed a very innocent and escapist cartoon. It gave them uh, a positive emotional outlet, at least superficially, and a sense of group identity and unity. And, you know, nothing we really have learned over and over, nothing binds a group together besides feeling like they're being unfairly oppressed. You're right. And you know Gamers how unite. Gamers emo <laughs> and honestly bronies got a whole lot of crap they got Ooh, yeah, lots they of did. crap a lot of it was deserved but <laughs> you know it, it was a stampede th- one could say. yeah there was there <laughs> there was a lot of uh crap that they didn't deserve at least over for every single one of them and yeah. so i'm brushing over a lot of other stuff for the sake of time um, but believe, we're going to cover it eventually in another episode. Of course. But bronies were largely the type of person to whom the idea of an internal companion who understood them and supported them seemed especially appealing. And so there exists actually an archive in the Wayback Machine of the first 50 Tulpa discussion, discussions on the MLP board, spanning from mid-March through early May 2012. That's over 25,000 posts over the course of less than two months on the topic of tulpas on the MLP board. That's hot if I've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I don't obviously have enough time to read all of that. Why not? Let's do it. Start now. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be here for the next uh, 16 hours (laughs) reading out the most vile trash you have ever (laughs) laid your ears on. Do it. Um, so, I did, however, look at like the first couple and the last couple threads just to see how the conversation evolved over the course of, of course. a couple months. And this is the point where I have to warn our listeners that we're about to get into more adult topics. So, if you're uncomfortable about us uh, about hearing us talk about topics such as like sex, sexual abuse. Um, and related topics, I suggest you tune out for the night because this is the point where, honestly, this gets not only weird, but it gets uh, very dark in ways, too. So if, if you're very sensitive to that kind of stuff, trust me, it's not going to just be a laugh fest. Very morally gray. Um, God would not approve. God would not approve. Most definitely not. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, so... The first couple threads on the MLP board were filled with speculation, planning, hypotheticals, and a few people, of course, calling everybody making a tulpa mentally ill. Pretty much everyone who wanted to make... Everyone there basically wanted a pony tulpa because it was the My Little Pony board. It's yucky. They wanted to create a tulpa that was, um, you know, pony-shaped and oftentimes based on a specific character, which is an interesting thing because... Most know. most serious quote unquote tulpamancers, <laughs> they strongly strongly advise against basing your tulpa off of a character because it can result in an identity crisis for them. They say, where basically they grow up and they're like, oh my god, my my god, my master is basically expecting me to be like Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. 
Yeah. And <laughs> this mind ain't big enough for the <laughs> both of us. <laughs> and uh, so, a lot of people were against that, but of course, a lot of people were very enthusiastic about having a pony imaginary mm. friend waifu. And so, <laughs> this is going to be very gross, but these are, there were a lot of posts to the tune of this in the first couple friends. Uh, oh, thank threats. you. I'm just going to, before we do anything, no thank you. <laughs> this is seriously, if you want to tune out now, this is the time. But if you like the sound of it, turn your volume up. <clears throat> and I quote, I'm going to make a main six tulpa, give it access to my subconscious mind as soon as it can talk, and then have sex with it right afterwards. And then another poster said, sex tulpas. No, it's thank you. apparently unrecommended, but really, <laughs> I can easily imagine that if I did create a tulpa to have mind sex with, I'd easily be able to control it. No? <laughs> and finally, I don't have much self-control. And if the tulpa wanted sex, and I wanted sex... I can't imagine stopping myself. This is where we get into ethics. <laughs> uh, yes. And so, um, this of is course, yucky. Tim, Tim. This is some rape. Why did you bring us to such I a dark like place? This. Because this is seriously dark at this point. This is like the Tulpamancy, I think, if it's true, it has lots of very interesting insights to the human mind. But it also... I've, I've got a couple of theories when we get to that. We will get to that. Trust me. We will discuss theories more towards the very end. Of course. Um... And so, of course, you may wonder, how the hell are these people having sex with imaginary friends? They're not real. Uh, those who claim to have had sex with their tulpas... Well, you know, um, we can taste them, then. I think we can do anything to them. And, and so, e at this point, even, this very early point, there were a few people who claimed to be far enough along with creating their tulpa to have it imposed enough... Um, so well in their perception that they could feel them almost like a real person or a real pony and no thank you i don't <laughs> want that and really there were a lot of people who did report it being like very realistic other people said it was kind of disappointing but a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of disappointing you know <laughs> i mean i could only touch it a little bit it was kind of disappointing <laughs> A real lid down. I, was, I went through all the effort of creating my hot pony GF, and like, <laughs> it wasn't even the best head I've got. Don't. Don't. <laughs> you know that that's inappropriate, and that's a kid show, and Tim, you know, we didn't have wait, to go wait, here. Wait, wait, what no, age are the ponies? Because this is the worst part of wait. Tulpas, and we have to, uh, like. So. <laughs> And so far, we're breaking. We're, we're, the question is: Are ponies people? Is it is consent? Consent. Well, so tulpas, here's the thing. Here's the what thing. Age are they? So they're they're not ponies. They they're based in the human brain. If the tulpamancers are to be believed, yes. they have a human mind. It's just they are hallucinated in the, in the form of ponies. So it's it's not a question of uh, whether ponies are human. You can imagine your tulpa as a cloud. And it's still as human as a tulpa you imagine as a human. Um, now, how human is a tulpa? That's the question that we're going to get to <laughs> towards oh, the end. Oh, no. Um, basically, spoiler alert, I don't know. It's, yeah. Pony sex. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the spoiler alert, well, right? Isn't that, isn't that what we're getting we at here? If haven't scared you off yet, you're, you're probably wearing headphones. Um, God. 
And so, to be fair to the bronies... Don't ever be fair to the bronies. To be fair to the bronies, I'm going to send out like an olive branch to them. The majority of posters reacted very poorly to those who said they wanted to have sex with their tulpas. (laughs) But... (laughs) Thank goodness the majority (laughs) did. Some faith in humanity. (laughs) To be honest, most of them advised against it not because they thought it was unethical... But because they thought the tulpas would get addicted to sex and rape their host, just that, perpetually. No, 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 no. No, that, no. Just that no. thought is worse than creating a tulpa for that purpose. You know, that is the ultimate <clears throat> victim shaming, like the most toxic chain of thought you could take with Seriously, it. Seriously, <laughs> it's so bad. They. This and is why we need menadism. Did did you did, do you know those words came out of your mouth? Yes, I'm well aware. Do you, this is being broadcasted over This is w- like this is live. Like do you I know, know that? I'm we, well aware. We do not condone your parents these ideas. are listening. <laughs> My parents may be listening. Mom and dad, I I've I've been telling you about how weird people are on the internet for years. Maybe this is what it'll take for you to really grasp that idea. You know, I hope this Yucky. is not the episode where my mom finally finally decided to tune in. <laughs> oh gosh, for real. <laughs> and so trust me, we'll come back to all this really gross stuff later. But for now, we have uh, to move on because Tulpamancers, once again, got on the nerves of everyone around them and were essentially bullied out of the MLP board. I sure oh, do wonder why. <laughs> uh, so by the end of these thread archives, almost half the posters are insulting and harassing the Tulpamancers. This quote basically Good. sums up the mood of a lot of the board's Tulpa skeptic inhabitants. Uh-oh. Quote, Either you're all victims of intrusive brain surgery performed by a monkey on laughing gas, or the human race has hit such unprecedented lows that space-faring civilizations for millennia to come will study these threads and marvel at their grand expressions of biological idiocy. End quote. <laughs> and that was some of the nicest things that were being said to these Tulpamancers. <laughs> oh, no. So in mid-April of 2012, a 4chan-based Tulpamancer named Plebe established a website called Tulpa.info, which served as oh. a forum and database okay. for Tulpamancers. That sounds familiar. And those interested in the topic. And so it's, it's like half of it is a forum, and then half of it is kind of like a wiki. Where they have, hmm. oh, what is a tulpa? How do I make a tulpa? What are your frequently asked questions about tulpas? And so on and so forth. They need to get a council together to construct a document declaring how to ethically use and construct tulpas. Genuinely. <laughs> now that sounds like the biggest. Step one. That should be the highest don't, priority right now. Just don't. Just leave it alone. No, These like, are the things we never need to touch. We are delving into realms so beyond our control. You know, I'm all for tulpas as a concept. To un- just uh, the idea of having that much self-control over your mind, just don't use it to <laughs> to uh, arguably get around consent. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically. And that's yucky. I don't want Tim. Why? We're we're not on that right now. We're going. We're on different parts. We will come back Let's to talk that. Talk about the different I, parts. I'm giving y'all a break before we get into like just how bad it is. Fine. <laughs> so, as of today, 
like I checked this right before the show, As the forums that. have over 267,000 posts. Too many. And over 14,000 registered members. Wait, still way too many. Keep 267,000 posts on a Talpa forum. <laughs> that's a lot of discussion. That's <laughs> 267,000 posts too much. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. keep in mind, there's also a fairly popular Talpa forum on Reddit, the subreddit r slash Talpas. There's like still Talpa posts on 4chan. There's there. foreign language boards that talk about Talpas. No In way. Poland, I guess, got really into Talpas of all places, Poland. I think. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think I remember reading that there were like three or four Polish Talpa sites. Huh. Neat. The Germans avoided it, though. I have not heard of a single German Tulpa site, which pleases my soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And so, as I mentioned before, the website has a vast, vast library of different guides. These newer guides shed some light on how the Tulpa Mansur community has evolved since its inception in 2012. Mm-hmm. Now, there are specific guides to building a personality, developing sentience, promoting vocality, medication help, help with visualization, and how to allow your tulpa to temporarily control your body, aka possession, or a oh. more extreme version of that, switching. So, what possession <laughs> is, is basically you sit down nice and still, you get into like a nice meditative trance. Oh. And you let your tulpa just take over your body. But you're still totally aware. You can feel your body moving and whatnot. It's just the tulpa is like the one at the steering wheel right now. Jesus so that's possession. That's possession. Switching. Oh, that's Switching is when you go so <laughs> deep back into yourself that you basically become the tulpa. You're not feeling your body moving around. You don't even necessarily see anything. Your tulpa is like totally in control. And then you are just in the background, in the subconscious mind, just wandering around your wonderland, basically. So, and so can, that's are you saying I can use the Tulpamancy switching to achieve nirvana, to place myself in my wonderland heaven, while my Tulpa gets the access, gets the full front of my body? Might I suggest lucid dreaming as a much <laughs> less messed up but, alternative to all this? Why not both? And also, <laughs> much more likely to be true. Lucid dreaming, I can confirm is true. Can you? Yeah, I've done it before, a little bit. Are you I sure? I mean, the Tulpa <laughs> master say yeah. he's done what the Tulpa just told you you're lucid dreaming. I don't have a Tulpa. <laughs> Not that you know of. Not that yes. I know of. It's a secret agent Tulpa. It's, <laughs> it's a sleeper Tulpa. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because... <laughs> the, the commies have planted a tulpa in your mind and it's <laughs> controlling you and just pulling the strings to slowly make you more and more <laughs> Russian friendly. So I, what I found kind of shocking is, so tulpa.info, they did a bunch of surveys and one of their surveys that had like 350 respondents was like, what, uh, how many of your tulpas were made purposefully and how many were kind of unintentionally made? Uh, by just being like imaginary friends you came up with before you had tulpas. Have you guys ever heard of Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends? Yes, I of think course. you mean Foster's Home of Imaginary Tulpas. Well, you really stole the wind right out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But basically, basically, one. This survey said that one third of tulpas were created accidentally. 
essentially. Uh, that's a lot of that's tulpas. a lot of that's a whole that's like, a lot of accidental tulpas. <laughs> I, they're <laughs> like children. Use mental protection. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> if you have an imaginary friend, just, just stop right now Dude, for your own that's good. That, oh gosh. Can, yeah, can you imagine waking up the next morning and you just got a brand new voice in your head and just kind of like, Wait, hey, good I morning. <laughs> I've, I've cracked the case. I know how imagine how accidental topos are made. You see, when a man and a woman love each other Stop. very much, they actually project their bodies <laughs> into <laughs> another and they form a child topa. That has to be the worst theory <laughs> I've heard or read in the past several days. And I've read a lot of bad takes. Uh, that may be among you the know, worst. When they say you found your soulmate, they mean it very literally. Mm-hmm. So, Tulpa.info has run you know, several surveys detailing that and other things from, from between 2015 to 2018, covering a variety of topics. And the most recent one they did was like the 2018 survey, which had about 340 responses. And so this lets us break down exactly, you know, what sort of people are in this main Tulpamancy hub. It, it probably roughly represents, you know, what sort of people are into Tulpamancy. Yeah. Almost all the respondents are between the ages of 14 and 28, with like the big spike being around 18, with a handful of 30-somethings, and then like five or six people above the age of 40. 70% said they were biologically male. 30% said they were biologically female. Uh, meanwhile, as far as gender identity, 60% said they were male. 26% female. 14% uh, were agender, genderqueer, or other. Uh, oh, wait a second. This is the tulpas? No, these are the people. The tulpamancers? The tulpamancers, okay. yes, responding to this. And so 43% heterosexual, 24% bisexual. Um, 11% pansexual, 8% asexual, 7% homosexual, and 6% others. Um, s- nearly 60% were atheists or agnostic, and only about 15% were Christian. 60%? 60% were atheists or agnostic. Dang. So, you know, that sounds that sounds accurate for, like, 4chan, Reddit, that kind <laughs> You're of right, crowd. True. A little more than half uh, reported being in some sort of school or training. About a third were employed either full-time or part-time, and 13% reported being both unemployed and not in school or training. You know, you um, got me thinking. How, so, like, 15, 15% are Christian. Yes. How would the... Well, how would the Christian churches view topomancy and the light of the divine economy? Like... I, that sounds like some sort of extension of witchcraft. <laughs> so I, I honestly think that most, you know, mainstream Christians would probably just see it as mental illness because <laughs> they right. see or they see your person you know. as emanating from your soul, and so you can't do mental gymnastics to split your soul. So well, you I'll, can summon a demon and put him in your mind. Maybe, <laughs> but I don't think these people are summoning demons by being like, so uh, hey, Twilight Sparkle. Uh, How about the <laughs> Avengers movies we just watched? All I'm saying is you're summoning this being to have sex with. That sounds like a succubus to me. Or an incubus. <laughs> uh, moving on. About you know too much, Joe. <laughs> about 60% uh, say they had some sort of education beyond high school. And considering how such a big chunk are high school age still... 
that yeah. that makes it seem like the population is pretty well educated. There's not many people who graduated high school and then stopped. Most of the people went to college or went to a trade school. Probably a degree in psychology. <laughs> and so backpedaling a bit to mental illness, in 2015 they did another survey survey with like 450 respondents hmm. that one of the questions was if the respondents suffered from any form of mental illness. Uh, the numbers show double the average national rate of depression. Um, <laughs> they were about average for anxiety, and yeah. then they were slightly higher than expected in ADHD and autism. But I think that might be due to the population skewing kind of young and male. Yeah. So I yeah. I honestly think it makes sense that they are more depressed than uh, like the average person because... Most of these people, they reported they got into tulpamancy because they really sought, you know, companionship. It spawned on 4chan. You know what kind of person is going to be drawn to it. That's true. And so, really, after looking at all the statistics, tulpamancers don't seem radically different in terms of, you know, demographics than any sort of weird, niche, nerdy community uh, kind of online. They're more young, male, educated, LGBTQ+, irreligious, etc. None of of the polls really surprised me. They basically fit, you know, standard 4chan or or Reddit or Uh, what have you. So what you're saying is that none of the polls surprised you, but the polls surprised you by being so into it. What? I don't... The Polish... Oh, the (laughs) Polish... Oh, I made it funny, guys. Just adore it. That was was funny. (laughs) So, that was an unfunny funny. Sorry, but now, no. we finally move to the elephant in the room. No, it's not tulpa sex again. It's whether <laughs> tulpas are even real. And so here's the fact of the matter. Probably not. As of right now, we do not have any empirical evidence of tulpas existing. Um, Stanford is currently doing a study that involves MRI imaging of the brains of tulpa mancers while they're <gasps> doing certain tasks. Oh my gosh. But until the results come out, we have no sort of like brain scans or other sort of neurological studies of this. There have been people who have done like interviews and surveys of tulpamancers, but no sort of empirical evidence-based study of their minds. I don't know about all of you guys, new listeners out there, but I'm sold. (laughs) I'm all for tulpamancy now. (laughs) Just within reason. And so, basically, we only have the personal accounts of self-proclaimed tulpamancers to go on. And they are often accused of just making up stories about their tulpas for attention or amusement. And although there's definitely people who fall into this category, I also firmly believe that there's many people who genuinely think that they have tulpas. Uh, because there's many people who've posted hundreds or thousands of times over the course of years debating the minutia of, of tulpa theories, whether it's better to hold the personality, to build the personality from the ground up or let it develop naturally, or whether it's possible for a host's mind and the tulpa to do math problems at the same time, or if they can do two unrelated tasks, or if they can even multitask at all. Nope. And I see people get really frustrated for people who are supposedly just faking it. They get really salty about their arguments. In in the cynical defense, um, after listening to this podcast right now, I'm really interested. You're really interested. And, uh, you know, I think you'd just be fun to to casually, as a hobby, debate these intricacies because, I mean, it's a lot of fun theoreticals. And we all know the internet. Everyone loves getting buttered. But, like... 
if you go on to tulpa.info forums, um, you will see some very long posts. These are not like low effort posts. These are people posting like a five paragraph MLA cited essays. Double think. A couple times a day. So I I really think it's pretty certain that there are people who believe that they have tulpas at ha the very least. Have you read 1984? Yes. Just a trick question. Mm -hmm. You probably haven't. You graduated high school in America. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, you know, the higher, highest members of the parties, they're the most aware of the knowledge of the BS that it is, but they're also, at the same time, the most convinced of its legitimacy. But they also benefit from the legitimacy and the, you know... Listen, if I can convince my mind that I have a tulpa, and I essentially my subjective reality have a tulpa... That's a pretty good benefit. Yeah, so exactly what I said. There's a lot of people who believe they had, have tulpas. I, I, what I'm saying is I don't think that the entire community is just a big joke or a bunch of liars. Yes, oh, there, no. yes there's definitely people who are joking or lying or role-playing, but I think that there's at least like 100 people out there who genuinely 100% think that they have tulpas. Probably more. Um, but... You know, of course, we're good at fooling ourselves. So just because they believe they have tulpas doesn't make it true. Uh, but there are a few what I think are relatively compelling arguments that I find plausible to say that oh, maybe tulpas can exist. Firstly, human brains are capable of producing seemingly autonomous personalities under certain circumstances. Like, the most mundane thing is dreams. You know, I, I assume you, you people have had dreams where you've spoken with people. Sometimes, I guess. Uh, my dreams are pretty surreal, but sort of, yes. But, yeah, it's like in your dream, you're not thinking, oh, now they will say this. Um, they just say things. And I know even when I've lucid dreamed before, I could control some things, like physical things, but I couldn't control what the dream characters would say or do. And I think that's because, you know, we have such a strong sense of you can't control what other people say or do. It's impossible. Uh, and so we just, because of that strong belief, even though I was aware it was a dream and I ke technically could control them, my subconscious mind refused to believe it. You know, mm. So, and, um, <coughs> to sort of support that even more, when I'm not really much of a lucid dreamer, but when I start to, you know, when I start lucid dreaming, even if I'm in it, I have to constantly find myself having to fight against myself for control of myself. Like, the dream is guiding my body when I'm doing what I'm thinking, but mm. then just one part of my mind is, like, conscious of it and is trying to override kind of what my mind has already decided for the dream. So when it comes to things like possession or, um, maybe not switching, but at least possession and just the, in the intensity of the mental effect that tulpas can have, I could definitely see it being with, like, you know, all that mind training and meditation very legitimate. Mm-hmm, definitely very possible. And um, then another thing that I find somewhat compelling is the fact that, you know, our, our personality kind of developed basically out of nowhere. Sure, our biology had to do something with it, but, you know, external influences basically forced us to develop our personality by treating us like people and eventually we became one. So I, I, I don't think that the idea that you can construct a personality from scratch in your head is that far off. Uh, but well, at the end of the day, you know, there's also the question of what's our threshold for real? 
True. This Very does get true. into an objective reality versus subjective reality. It, it's argument. not even that, because it's like the difference... Some people might say you're sharing the same brain, therefore you are the same person, no matter what. Uh, whereas another person might say, if in your own like mind it's indistinguishable from a separate person, like you have separate memories, separate thoughts that happen at the same time, that might be considered real to them. And so mm. th I've seen some posts too about people who say, I was interested in tulpas, I did it, and I got results, but the results most people talk about are really exaggerated, where they, you know, got some weird thoughts that felt like they were out of place and not under their explicit control, but it, it wasn't like a full person. Well, it sounds like he needs to go further. <laughs> exactly. Like, mm -hmm. he, like he reached the tip of the iceberg that was described in the manual, but the manual goes even further on to nurture it. Yeah, definitely do not pull out while you're still ahead. If you are ever involved in something that makes extraordinary claims and requires you to suspend your disbelief, you got to devote yourself 100% to it in order to know whether it's true or not. Because until you accept that it's true, you can't know that it's false. Yeah. Like when Am you I right? Cult Go drink the Kool-Aid. You have to go all the way if you really want to experience what the guy's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you got to test it. You won't know that the Kool-Aid is going to kill you un t unless until, you test until, it. <laughs> until it brings you to the brink of death. <laughs> Basic and even then, you know, you might still come back until you're beyond the brink yeah. of death. Like, is that really you dying or is that your soul transcending, actual projecting out of your body? Well, I th can I can I present a little bit more of a... Of a scientific-based theory for a absolutely <laughs> because you <laughs> you are the most knowledgeable person in this room about you know brains. I like to think so. For those unaware, my goal <clears throat> as of right now is pediatric neurosurgeon. So I like I like the brain. I think it's neat. Got a couple textbooks, you know, just typical stuff. And for those of you who are unaware, your brain is in two pieces, give or take. You got the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, all right? And they're connected by a, a relatively thin strand of fibers called the corpus callosum. And this lets the left and right brain talk to each other, more or less. Now, the, the specific term for this is lateralization. For those of you in psych, you'll know this. And there's an interesting phenomenon, actually. Oh. That sometimes the corpus callosum can get cut. Now, sometimes it's on purpose. I want to say still that a lobotomy didn't cut the corpus callosum. All right. Uh, everyone in the Tidio chat, is a lobotomy cutting the corpus callosum? Let us know your thoughts. Because last time I checked, a lobotomy just cut off a decent chunk of the frontal lobe, which was my understanding. Do you think cut the in the process? On accident, perhaps. But most of the time, cutting the corpus callosum is done via trauma. Severe well, car I mean, accidents. <laughs> One could say a lobotomy is quite a trauma. I'm <laughs> just glad. I'm just glad we live in an age where we don't know exactly what the lobotomy cuts. <laughs> yeah, we'll right. be happy about that. <laughs> but anyways, there, there, and there have been some interesting results from cutting the corpus callosum. You may notice that your arms don't do what you want them to do, and not both of your arms, just one. Typically, your right arm will sort of 
it'll, it'll disagree with you sometimes. Perhaps you'll go to pick out a shirt and it'll slap that shirt out of your hand and go grab another one. Maybe you go to grab a candy bar and it slaps that candy bar out of your hand, grabs another one. Sounds like a possession. It sounds a bit like a possession, yes. And people have done studies on this. It's called a split brain, um, I, I guess personality or condition. I'm not 100% sure. But essentially what they'll do is they'll, you know, for those of you unaware... The left half of your body is controlled by the right half of your brain and vice versa, the right half controlled by the left brain. So what they'll do is, on the left side of the table, they'll put something that says, you know, grab your favorite toy, which is sort of out of sight of the, the left brain, you know? And then, so the right brain will see that and it'll go, oh, and it'll go on the right, grab its favorite toy, move it over to the left hand, and then they'll ask the person, why did you pick that toy? And they will have legitimately, like, no answer. They'll try to rationalize it, but it just sort of... It's just sort of a rationalization. Well, like, oh, see, my tulpa took control. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, well, the, the more convincing evidence is these people are actually able to draw separate images at the same time, which is typically considered pretty hard to do. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, imagine trying to draw a cat with one hand and a horse with the other hand at the same time. And this isn't like, you know, drawing one and then looking at the other to take a break and then looking at the other and drawing and sort of like that. This is simultaneously. This is some real Leonardo da Vinci type stuff. Oh, yes, this yeah. is very real. And I'm just wondering, because there is there's a, as put up by CGP Grey, um, if you watched his video, he was sort of wondering if perhaps that maybe we're not alone in our brains anyways. And that just maybe there's sort of a... Well, because here's the thing, too. The left brain and the right brain do different things. So the left brain controls speech. You know, if you were to, you know, as of right now, take out the left half of your brain with leaving everything else intact and somehow, you know, still being alive afterwards, which is completely possible. People do that. Um, you wouldn't be able to talk for at least a little while. Mm. That you would know, probably benefit me. Just yeah. being shut up for a little while. Yeah, just shut up <laughs> for a little bit. So, and that's part of the reason why, you know, they think that maybe we don't really recognize this other consciousness, is that as, as vocal... As, as your voice becomes more important in your day-to-day -day life, the left brain tends to dominate over the right brain in terms of your consciousness becomes a little more dominant versus the other one. And that maybe, maybe, it is in fact a separate entity. And if all of this is true, then it means that a tulpa, in my opinion, might just be this second consciousness that you're bringing forth. Holy so this is interesting, but there's now, also... this is all pretty theoretical here, yes, fellas. Yes, it's very, very hypothetical. There's also, I didn't brush into it much, but there's people who claim to have more than one tulpa. There's people who claim to have, you know, two, three, four, well, 1,054 tulpas. If they're, like, incomplete... Well, just a billion. If yeah, they're, you know. like, sort of incomplete consciousness, like, they're, they're like, essentially... You well, no, it's a complete consciousness that well, just can't talk. Well, wait, are, I'm talking about topas right now. Okay, well, then talk right, about to your topas. Oh, no, but, uh, to explain how topas could have... There could be more than one topa to be compatible with this theory. Is that 
the topaz are sort of you've gotten so familiar with a pattern of a personality that you can reproduce it. Because that, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from like the logical explanation of topas, that they aren't like the same level of personhood as you, but rather just the illusion of a person. So, as long as you can like, you know, be familiar with slash memorized by, not memorized, but like know the patterns of these personalities, you could just have like multiple personalities like these multiple um, patterns being played out different ones on this su um, subconscious part of your split brain. Like yeah. the like the well, honesty maybe. fellas kind of fell asleep during that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So TLDR, too long to read. Thank you. Um, essentially, the subconscious part is the mastermind choosing the tulpa to put in. Okay, probably. Like, yeah, all, all, all the different sort of tulpa theories I've read very tied into, like, subconscious mind type stuff, where they, they basically say, okay, you, all the people, all the persons in s some sort of system, yeah. they're based in a singular subconscious mind. It's just separate conscious minds. They're all based on the same, like, singular building block, I believe. I see um, what you're... I, I, I'm sniffing what you're scratching. But, of course, I know nothing about, like, neurology and, you know, the actual science between yes. the subconscious mind versus conscious mind. There's the, the, the biggest issue as of right now in determining what... I, I, in my opinion, the biggest issue in determining whether or not a tulpa is real is mostly whether or not we can figure out what consciousness actually is. Because let's... Because that's kind of out the window right now. Yeah. We don't... There's yeah. a lot of theories going on there. In my opinion, I think the fun one is is quantum physics. That quantum physics constitutes our our consciousness. That sounds like a huge tangent. We should not go on. <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, everyone, we're gonna be here for about six years while we all get a PhD in quantum <laughs> physics. Stay tuned. Let's go. Um, well, I uh, produce my thesis on quantum entanglement and how it relates to. Why I can't get a date. <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. Well, you see, Wait, when you take no. the anti-spin, it actually turns into a girl repulsion magnet. <laughs> <laughs> what if the spin and, and you know, anti-spin are actually just the two, the two male and female no. genders? Don't, don't do this. Oh, gosh. So, at the end of the day, I'm pretty convinced that in some way people are experiencing something, but I don't think it's like a full-fledged human being in their head that they've successfully totally divided their mind to create two perfect whole humans. There's, I, I think they've created some sort of weird pattern, and I think it's very interesting and in that we should explore it. Yeah. Um, but I honestly, I find it hard to believe that we would be able to take, you know, the brain hardware that we have and just, ra without changing its physical structure, just think hard enough to make it do like twice well, the work that it normally does. Have you ever does. heard of partitioning a hard drive? I have heard of partitioning a hard drive, but the, our brains aren't hard drives. Our brains are like the have full computer. Have you heard computer. of a virtual machine? I have heard of a virtual machine, what yes. What if a tulpa is the brain version of a virtual machine? <laughs> that this, basically this is This is too specific of, of like a, um, what's it even called? A reference? Uh, not a reference. I don't remember we're, the word. We're, we're requiring our audience to be retro gamers. <laughs> 
Okay, for those of you who aren't aware where the virtual machine is, it's pretty much when you make a little computer inside of your computer, but the little computer is pretending to be much, much older so you can play all your old video games. So essentially, it. you're putting a Game Boy in your computer. That's emulation. <laughs> Which I guess is what a virtual yeah, machine is. Yeah, it's basically the same is thing. emulation. Yeah. But, but it's also like a top. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, biological evolution is messy. It was not, it did not happen to be like multifaceted most of the time, whereas we specifically designed computers so we could do a lot of different stuff with them. So just because a computer can do something doesn't mean a brain can do that and vice versa. Whoa. Like, our brain's crazy complex, more complex than any computer, but I still struggle with, like, you know, 15 squared, even though for a computer that's the easiest thing in the world. Because fundamentally, even though we like to compare them a lot, they're very, very different beasts that operate in very different ways. It's like the difference between a pony and a human. Stop. <laughs> We're going to... Um, not do that anymore, Joe. Well, actually, I uh, the last part of my script was going back to the awfulness. <laughs> well, why would we do that? Because I think that it's important. We just that had a lovely discussion about the nature of consciousness. But now, now we, we have to do... We need and, to uh, no, we're not going to go specifically into ponies. We are, we are just talking about the the ethics of tulpas yeah. in general, including, like, tulpa sex. The only thing more interesting <laughs> than how tulpas work is the ethical implications of how they work. Because, <laughs> honestly, as much as I like the idea of tulpas and think they're cool, I really hope that they're no more than figment, figments of their host imaginations without any feelings and emotions of their own. How terrifying Because if, be. if they are real people, yeah. or at least emotional beings somehow, with some level of comparable sentience to you and me, okay. then so many tulpas are going through hell. Because imagine you're brought into this world without control of a physical body at the mercy of someone who's essentially a god who constitutes the entire extent of your physical universe yeah. unless you like they allow you to per possess their body out of the goodness of their heart. You know, when they say that we're made in the image and likeness of God, doesn't that mean we could sort of create our own my even more minor beings in our head called tulpas, which are feeling living things? I have heard... The theory that we are God's tulpas, uh, which is weird, and I don't like it. It is makes that, me is that like the living in a simulation thing? Basically, so, except yeah. the simulation is a is brain. God's, is, is some random dude's head. Yeah, basically. Well, not random dude. Like, okay, God well, I mean, dude. well, it might be a random dude. God to us. Yeah, it depends on like how how like matrixy we want to go with this. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> like, because maybe it's not some sort of omniscient, all powerful dude. He's just Kevin. He's really lonely, he's, and he wanted a couple of friends, and instead created a universe in his head. The mm -hmm. infinite loop of Tulpamancy, where all Tulpas of this Kevin, who's a Tulpa of another higher up Kevin, and, and every layer you go, loop. it gets more and more complex. Because think of us, our brains can only support like two or three Tulpas, and the order above us, you know, there's Seven you know. Million. But that's just humans. <laughs> yeah, true. There's also like animals. There's all these crazy atoms. Um, we we haven't experienced like you know a desk disappearing, which seems like something that would happen in a person with less than superhuman memory. Or you know, since we are all essentially mental constructs, that does happen in Kevin's head. But Kevin just you know rewrites the history. You know, and that's true. Just remember, like, like what if that's deja vu? Like, something <laughs> legitimately did happen, or, like, something was somewhere? Well, it's like in The Matrix, when the deja vu is when the Matrix rewrites, like... 
that environment. Out. Or yeah. yeah. So like when in the, when they're in the mansion slash whatever that building was. Oh gosh. When the agent Smiths were about to, so the agent Smiths detected that they were there in that mansion, and the Matrix went in and replaced all the windows with brick walls. Ah, uh, yep, yep. And th they knew that mm -hmm. happened because. I don't remember which character was it. It was Neo who saw Neo a black saw cat yeah. walk by twice. Yeah, and then so they knew. Oh crap! Deja vu. Something changed, and the action starts. Something's wrong, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh -oh. but you know what's what's even scarier? It's not just you? that these tulpas are you know basically being held prisoner. It's that they can oh. be killed by an action essentially. If you do not give your tulpa attention, they will just dissipate and die. That's and and, and so it's you can be because, ignored to death. Yeah, because think about it, like if I was struck down by God, he'd have to strike me down. So or think. you'd think, or else maybe he just lets the entire universe dissipate by yeah. lack of action. But basically, it's the idea of at least y you might be able to trust someone to not directly kill you, but there's fewer people who I trust to not just let me die because they don't give a damn. That's actually really interesting and in how it kind of connects to these other concepts we have. Like, it connects perfectly to two concepts. One, our more general societal one, is that someone's never really gone if you still have their memories. And it also connects to the Catholic concept of worship, like in prayer. Because, see, God, like, because hell isn't like some place of eternal punishment. It is being, it's, un, it's sort of like unexistence because it's completely being separated from God, which means you're essentially unexisting by that point. And um, when you and to get closer to God, what do you do? You pray to Him. You get His attention. Oh my God! And the most holy people, like holy people, pray a lot, and they feel closer to God, and even to the point where they can do miracles. So what if? By demanding God's attention, they are continuing, are continuing existing, and heaven is essentially we, you know, when we died, God, we've demanded so much attention from God. He's given it to us by this relationship we're forming with Him. We are developing as tulpas to Him, oh <laughs> and my so God. the heaven is essentially Him memorializing us, like Him permifying us in His brain. And that is this. That's a lot of people is. to think about, though. And, and but he's got yeah. Like this is the, <laughs> the higher, this is the transcending us human level. God. Because you know our our original pitch coming into this is God is a tulpa, <laughs> but now we're leaving this saying no, we are God's well, tulpas. Like if you want to be edgy atheist, you can say oh God is a tulpa. All these people just have this you know share tulpa. That's what this blah blah feeling and blah blah worship um, miracles are. Or if you want to be giga brain like we are, <laughs> we are the tulpas. <laughs> you know. Web oddities spewing BS at you in hot takes since September 2019. <laughs> no. uh, and so to, to leave this off on like a really depressing note. Uh, so one of the surveys in 2015 that had like 450 respondents oh no. asked their respondents, they said, have you had sex with at least one of your tulpas? Gross. Uh, anyone care to guess like what the percentage that said yes was? Uh, don't don't guess too high. It's not insane, 15. but it's still crazy. What? Fifteen. Oh, more. I'm going to go <laughs> with seventy-two percent. Oh, that's too high. It's forty-seven percent. I thought fifty. You just said fifty percent was too high. No. Oh, or did too you say low. fifty? I thought you said fifteen. 
Do you say 15 or 50? J02X. Hello, Did you 15. say 15? You said see? 15. Oh, yeah. So I heard 50. So 47%. That's not like a niche thing. It's not unusual. No. That's like the percentage of people who have sex in real life, too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> in any given time period where they care about tulpas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like we think about a boss having sex with their employee. That's a major ethical violation because they have power over their job. Yeah. You know, basically, God having sex over their creation, which they can kill by inaction, <laughs> even if you know the tulpa seems to consent, would it turn you down if it understood that it could be destroyed if you lost interest in it? Well, that's when you sit down with your tulpa and you have a very serious conversation about the terms and conditions of their existence. <laughs> so. <laughs> Basically, I really hope that tulpas do not exist in any meaningful way. I hope that there's some weird stuff going on in our brains that's interesting, but I hope that none of it has feelings or sentience or thoughts. It's yucky. I hope that we're just able to like create some weird pattern in our brain that will allow us to maybe do fun things in the future. But That's really the moral of the story. Um, oh, like moral. Treat people like people. Don't create inferior beings, and um, don't have sex with your tulpa. But what if I don't want to? Well, then that's why you God gave you hands. What? That's gross. I want to. I don't. What if I don't want to do it with my girlfriend all the time? Okay. <laughs> okay, fellas. So, I'd say, if you could create a tulpa, would you? And yes, I will judge you based on your answer. I would create a tulpa only You're so I can. Astral project. That's it. But I that's not involved in astral projection well, as most people, you know, so I explain. Can, so, so I want to be able to use my tulpa as an unseen servant. I want to be, have him beat up people without having to physically exist. Oh, let me... Before, we only have like five more minutes, but there's yeah. actually something that I neglected because it's much more of a small phenomenon. There's a very different metaphysical interpretation of tulpas that exists and these people generally like absolutely despise the kind of more quote-unquote scientifically minded uh tulpa mancers that we've been talking about yeah, yeah. and these people are generally um i i'd say like generally chaos magicians is what they're <laughs> called and Chaos magicians. Chaos magicians. And if you are interested in learning about, like, a different, more kind of metaphysical and uh, kind of supernatural take on tulpas that I'd say is significantly less gross and disgusting, there's an interesting guide by, like, I, th I think it's an artist named Blue Flute called like the psychonaut guide or something and it goes into a lot of things in, including tulpas and servitors which are like a servitor servitors they're interesting because basically yeah. they're saying you're not creating another person but you're creating some sort of pattern either in your mind or in the universe mm. that does something for you but it doesn't have like thoughts or feelings. It's like a machine that you create okay. using your mind. A servitor does sound like a machine's name. And then there's also like an uh, aggregor, which is my favorite word, and I don't know exactly what that means because like I said, I spent most of my time researching the more scientifically minded uh, Tulpa people because they are much more bountiful. 
but like I definitely I looked into some metaphysical takes and one person was like you know all of these tulpamancers they're just raising children only to rape them and I'm like oh, damn yucky. these people no. really really woke. hate really hate these other tulpamancers so there's a metaphysical tulpamancy is not dead it's just uh, endangered extremely Me- metaphysical uh, tulpamancy is the best tulpamancy you heard it here first the official view of Wamdi, using Tulpamancy for good, is the good way to go. Using Tulpamancy <laughs> to unlock the doors of your own mind. I would like to just sort of see what's going on. I might try to make one. If I ever get the time, I guess. I don't know. And, um, we're so, running out of time, everyone, so I want to plug next week's episode. If you, liked, if you were interested in this sort of topic of just how the human mind can be astray from the norm, and so in this case, it kind of broke the um what we can perceive as like our conscious by extending the brain's power to um creating its own conscious yes if you're interested in um the um, brain the mind's power to um depending on if you're cynical or um a um i'm sympathizer cynical to um believe to fully believe it is something is truly something not human or in the sympathizer's case to um be to um how do I say to be something to um to know that it is something outside of its physical body um I'll be copying um Therianism Therianism or no Therian Therianthropy Therianthropy and um if maybe some other stuff you have more time but Therianthropy sounds like it's gonna take it most of the time and oh. that is um if you guys you've probably heard of it one way or another just not under that name it sounds it's, familiar I it is um it is the um people it's like a spiritual belief to its core but tied to like feeling physical repercussions like hold on is it is it is it the other kin it's the other kin. that's right <laughs> it is that yes soul is not human it's what um, I, sh- I hate you. <laughs> Listen, that essentially their um their true species, their soul, the the true form of their soul is not human. It's another species, and it all kind of sort of ties into no. um no, re- no. Not reconciliation, um, resurrection, all that jazz. And it's really stop. interesting to hear about theorized, and they're completely legitimate. And that's all I have to say about that. Listen next week if you want to learn more. Awesome, and I would also like to give a shout out to my boy, Billy. Always keeping it real out on the East Coast. Billy. I am only doing the shout-out because your girlfriend reminded me to do it, so make sure to thank her, Bill. Um, <laughs> well, why are we shouting out Billy? He asked me to. Fair enough. You want to shout-out anyone? Uh, shout-outs to um, the SGDQ speedrunning community. Those guys, they're, well, they're, I guess the GDQ speedrunning community. They're just cool people. No real reason to shout them out. They're just neat. What about you, Joe? Shout-out two groups. One, my lovely girlfriend Haley for listening to every episode. You know, she's a great supporter. Love her to death. She's the best. And the second... Haley, you have a weird girlfriend. A good boyfriend. Um, and oh, you right. just let something and thank slip. Thank you for loving me. Shoot. And um, second thing I want to call out is the um, Great Lakes Fur Chat. Um, f- at least mm-hmm. five people said they listened to last episode and seven more people said they might be listening. So we might have gotten an audience because of them. Thank you so much to the Great Lakes Fur Chat. Yes, even even us non-furries, we appreciate you, and we, for one, do not support the hunting of furries. 
We believe that you deserve <laughs> human rights. And just, Andrew just, thinks that, just that like is tulpas. debatable. We support the furry tulpas. And just one last thing, a disclaimer. <laughs> In case there are any tulpamancers listening, I... I do have some harsh opinions about like the potential ethics of it, but I think at the end of the day, you're probably not hurting, you know, a real sentient person. And I also realize that most of you, you don't have like bad intentions. You you just you, you want a friend, and I think most of you do do your best to make them feel accommodated if they are real. But I I do stand by my opinions, but I don't mean to say that every single topmancer is like evil or a creep. Tulpamancers, you are—you have a righteous cause unlocking the potential of the human mind. Love you to death. I love the concept. Just, I, I love the chaos mancer tulpamancers, chaos magician tulpamancers, and I love the idea of sort of dealing, like finding this new and, as long as you're using it right, productive way to deal with things like loneliness and stuff. I love that. I love the mastery of the mind. And keep doing you. Just stop doing others. Other tulpas. <laughs> <laughs> That's on that note, fellas. This has been another, I guess, weird episode of What About It Is mm-hmm. with, you know, me, your boy, DJ D Class. Me, your boy, DJ Tim Allen. Me, your boy, Monstrumonium slash JO02X slash your hottest new tulpa. Well, everyone have a good night. And I hope that you learned something interesting, at least, and that this didn't sadden you too much. Goodbye. Too late. Woo.